Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, October, Derek. Rocktober. Rocktober. Halloween's coming. It's still a month away. It's just the beginning of October. Yeah. Candy. Candy. (laughs) That's a good thing. Chocolate. Candy's not a big thing in my house, except for, like, kind of me. So my kids forget about the candy, and by about May, I've managed to eat all of the Halloween candy, and they haven't had any. Because they, they don't know it's there anymore. I get the candy, and by, you know, like November, it's gone. <laughs> we buy candy I like yeah, now. See, we, we all kind of forget about the candy. Well, you know what? We're Our street is like a U-shaped street, and most of the kids come from one direction. And when they look down our street, there's a few families they don't celebrate Halloween. Oh, yeah? So their lights are off. Oh. The kids see, oh, no lights. I'm not going down there. And since we're at the bottom... <laughs> We get one or two kids. Yeah, we get the same, and I buy a ton of candy every year. Yeah. Oh, but honey, we might get a lot of kids this year. But Halloween <laughs> is like Easter. You go a couple of days after, and it is dirt cheap. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I, I, you end up with like five Easter bunnies in your freezer, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you end up with a bunch of chocolate yeah. at home, grab a couple bags for work, one for the truck, one for the basement, buy a bunch for, garage. for candy for next Halloween. Yeah, next can- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's every- Why is this chocolate gone Like white? an alcoholic with chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Got a little stuff stuffed up in the lamp. <laughs> <laughs> in a baggie in the back of the toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta go get me a Kit Kat. I'm going for a poop. <laughs> Are you eating chocolate bars in there? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah, we still got a couple of trips left this year, too. Canoe trips left this year. Same well, as one, Yeah, one's at least a, one's a canoe trip. The other's going to be a car camping thing, but I'm taking my canoe. Mm-hmm. And I might go in November. I'm going in November. You're going in one in November. And December. Oh, and he's, oh, you're going well, in December, December maybe. Well, uh, December is going to be sort of a glamping trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's my uh, end of October one is going to be a glamping trip as well, but I'll have my canoe with me, so that, that'll be okay. Um, You just came back from a week-long trip. I did. I did, like, uh, was, what, a week and a half ago or so? Um, It was, I did a... A whitewater trip. It was the Petawawa River from uh, from Lake Travers down to McCraney Lake in Algonquin Park. And uh, like me and a group of guys, we go every fall. And like oftentimes it's up northern northern Ontario, north of Sudbury. Yeah, don't you go thing, to right? uh, Tamagami usually? Yeah. Yeah. So, but this year we decided and we, we repeated a route that we've done a couple times before. It's down the Petawawa River. But this year was different. This year was super different. I'm I'm used to going into those areas in the fall because I hate bugs. Mm-hmm. And and I did hear beforehand that because of the weather this year that the bugs were super bad, but they weren't bad. I was very pleased. The uh, the it was the insect infestations were mild. But what was weird, what was different, was uh, the the quantity of rain that they've been getting. The water levels were spring water levels or late spring water levels. That, was, yeah, the that's water levels exactly were what I super found. high. So we had, uh, where we normally would uh, line the boats or drag it over rocks in the river and or have to hit portages because it's just, it's, there's just too many rocks. You can't paddle it. You can't even drag the canoe across it. This year it was white water all the way. It hmm. was, it was amazing. Like it was, and it was, some sections were big white water. It was uh, beyond my skill level, right? So it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was different. So, like I said, we did Lake Travers down to McCraney. It was five days, four nights. And like I said, it was like super high water, spring-like conditions. It was, it was neat. It was weird. You know, you, you think with spring water levels, you, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be cold, but it was, the water was so, so warm. I did so much swimming out of the canoe and from land. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was so dumped a couple times, right? Or dumped dumped once and then kind of sent like the uh had a and I, I won't name the name of the canoe, but it was a really bad design. The nose was really knife edged. Right. And the bow and stern went lower than the uh than the base of the canoe. So it was it was a slightly unstable. It was a pig to turn. And because of the uh, sharpness of the bow, this thing did not go over waves. It went through them, 
we every time we hit a roller we just pierced right through it and i just got it like I, a couple times i felt the wave slam me in the chest <laughs> like wow. we just bolted through the wave and what we ended up doing we had to go slower than water flow through a lot of the rapids because we couldn't go faster because we just pierced through all the water when we we've had to bail out so many times we had one major dump but other than that it was just you know the instability that comes with a lot of water in the canoe right yeah yeah so it was it's uh i know i i know now that I, what canoe i do not want for white water <laughs> <laughs> it was it was too short it was a 16 uh, footer we should have had a 17 or 18 and uh, it, the the nose was just uh, the the bow was just too knife edged. It just sliced through the waves. I didn't like it. But the but uh, complaints aside, it was an awesome trip. It was warm water, high water, high flow. The temperatures were great. The weather was great. Like we had a little bit of rain the first day, and uh, all the rest of the days, I I don't know the temperature. We didn't you know obviously no internet or anything, but it felt pretty darn hot. And the predictions ahead of time when we looked at the weather was 29 degrees. But I don't think it made it quite that high, but I think it was about 27 degrees. Yeah, we got that. Yeah, so it was, the weather was beautiful. It was so nice. And <clears throat> obviously we sweated a lot, so it was nice to swim. It was so, so uh, me and Brett, we dumped once and uh, Pierre and Doug, they dumped once. And <laughs> when they dumped, Pierre's a little too overconfident. Right. So <laughs> they dumped and they didn't have anything tied down. Nothing was wedged in. And they lost a lot of stuff. Shoes and fishing poles and Didn't Didn't we just and... uh, do a show and discuss when you should tie stuff in or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Apparently you listen to the show. <laughs> I always tie down. I, I'm always, yeah. I always secure for C type thing, right? So it's, uh, <laughs> C, you know, C State 5. So anyways, it was, uh, it, it was, it was a great trip. We only had rain the first day, minimal bugs. I, I brought... Thinking the bugs are bad, I brought my Nemo bug out mm -hmm. 12 by 12, and it was uh, I've used it in the past. It's great. You know, it keeps the bugs down. You have a giant rain shelter and bug shelter. I set it up for three of the nights, and it's like, eh. It why was, bother? Yeah. Why bother? The bugs weren't that yeah. bad. Like they 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 always bite at about dusk, but then they just immediately went away. Right. Yeah. First thing in the morning, and then they die yeah, off. Exactly. And then... Yeah dusk and then they disappear yeah. again so i get used to being bitten by a few little bugs it wasn't that many so it ended up we using the bug out the the nemo bug out as a tarp <laughs> but it was nice it was nice to have in the summer for other trips when the bugs were really bad yeah but this one is basically just a, a, a rain tarp right yeah and you know what had you not brought it <laughs> the bugs would have been the horrible. bugs would have been horrible <laughs> it would have been raining yeah. you know it as well yeah. as i do you've always got to have that one piece of gear that you brought just in case and exactly. you and you don't use <laughs> so the uh, i did a little tally here for equipment losses equipment gains and equipment recovered <laughs> so <laughs> so pierre being the personality is he uh we were at at he was at crooked shoot his sneakers are wet he didn't have water shoes he just had his his runners and they were wet, so he figured, eh. He so he hoofed them into the river. I'll pick them up at the bottom of crooked chute. Well, he got one of them back. So the other still in crooked chute or farther? It, it, who knows where? Because <laughs> we found the one he recovered was about a kilometer or two downstream of crooked chute. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. And then he dumped, and right. he lost his sandals. So he ended up going the last day, the last night, and the drive home barefoot. With one shoe. Well, he well, he didn't wear his one shoe. Why not? He just went around barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so they were uh, <laughs> they were uh, they were playing the hip, going through the rapids, getting all juiced up and going. They had a little Bluetooth speaker, and they were playing the hip, running the rapids. And so he lost his phone and his Bluetooth speaker. He had his fishing rod on top of his canoe to fish out some holes, and he lost his fishing rod. <laughs> and uh he snapped a paddle broke a paddle blade and uh so it was he, it was an expensive trip for him yeah yeah and uh i lost nothing brett lost nothing doug lost his sandals when they dumped but mm -hmm. i found them they were floating apparently pierre's uh sandals didn't float <laughs> so we never okay. found them so and for equipment gains where we kept looking right so we well, are, if you're going down the rapids, you know, yeah, some, somebody people, else has found that shoe yeah. going, one of the other shoes around here. I want to go back with snorkel and see what I can find. <laughs> <clears throat> but we, I found, uh, I was at the base of a large section of rapids 
And uh, I look over on shore and I see something red. It's like, oh, I wonder what that is. So we went over and looked at it and it was like this, uh, it was, uh, what was it? St. Lawrence Saints or something water bottle. Right. So I got myself that water bottle and next to the water bottle floating in the water, it's like, I'm thinking, oh man, there's some cans here. So I, I, I fished them out so that I could pick up garbage and whatever. And they were two full cans of beer. Like on day three, going into day four, two nice cans of beer on a hot, hot, sunny day. And you don't want to carry full cans of beer. No, in. no. Well, you got so to do, do your duty. And they were, they were uh, Canada 150. One of the, the, uh, what was it? Moosehead and a Labatt Lou. So the, uh, the Moosehead was a Canada 150. You can tell. So you were, know they were fresh. Then. They were fresh. They, they didn't go through So a nice for somebody to leave them there for I you. They knew like, they, they were know. coming. So they're just spinning around in an eddy, right? Yeah. So they, they didn't look like they were there that long. So it was a hot day. We cracked open some beer. and Some guy named Derek's <laughs> going to be coming through here and he's going to want yes. a beer because it's going to be leave hot. Yeah. Let's just leave these here for Derek. He'll find them. It was a wonderful treat. Found beer. Found beer. Free like, found beer. I, and it's weird. Like normally on any given day, if you're walking down the street, you see a full can of beer sitting on the sidewalk. You're not going to touch it. Yeah. But in the river, it just seems to be different. different. The rules are different, it seems. Yeah. It's a five-second rule. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pick it up quick before somebody yeah. else gets it. It's the two-month rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I did get... I, I found that water bottle. I found another water bottle. found Pierre's water bottle. He had lost that one, and I found it. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, the two of them were... It was hot, right? So, uh, I we did fish out of the river uh, uh, two life jackets. And gave them back to them. Awesome. Yeah. They weren't wearing their life jackets. No, not very smart, eh? Oh, man. Me and Brett wore ours every single day. I never take mine off. I, mine's on. Even on the hottest days, yeah. mine's on. Yeah. yeah. I never take it off when I'm on yeah. the water. <clears throat> it's a smart thing to do, right? Yeah. Wear your life jacket. So Pierre, he uh, he said he had, a, he had a moment of fear. He had to, uh, he, when we went down, we saw he got to shore. And then we started collecting stuff i we me and brett pulled ashore and started fishing stuff out of the river and it was <laughs> the water flow was so high i i went out into the river to start catching stuff and i could barely stand up against the current it was like up to my chest and i was kind of standing sideways letting the water slip past me as i reached the canoe that was passing by with two bags like floating beside it right. so i i got a canoe and i got one bag i floated them ashore and the other bag kept going and so it but the water flow was so high but it was uh we saw that pierre got ashore he said he uh, he went ashore and he sat there and and uh, kind of contemplated life. He said because he went on, he said he went under and he didn't have a breath, so he went under and didn't have any air and he came up and he went under. He came up and he went under and so it scared him a bit, I think. But uh, yeah, Pierre, you should wear your life jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, not good, mm-hmm. not good at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, and it's a lesson. It's a life lesson. It's, and I'd, a lot of people think, wow, it's a hot day. I'm not going to wear this. It's like, well, so jump in the water, get wet, but leave the jacket on and then you're yeah. cool. Yeah. That's what I do. Like if it's the start of a hot day, I start off by jumping in the river and then I get in the canoe, right? Hey, there's no, re- no reason not off. to. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely no, no excuse for not wearing it. Yeah. There exactly. really isn't. Yeah. You know, Unless it's, it's full it's... of bees. Oh no, I'd still wear it. <laughs> Make you paddle faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was my trip. It was an exciting trip. It was a good trip, and I'd do it again. Like it's, it's uh, it, it was it was another one of those memorable trips that we do every haul. Yeah, you yeah. just somewhere new or well, newer because you've yeah. done it once yeah. ages ago, right? Yeah. Oh, one thing I learned is that because we spent so much time with water in the canoe, I learned that my canoe pack does leak. Ooh. And I should probably pack my sleeping bag in a dry sack because I normally pack it in loose so it fills in all the little gaps so I can get more in my pack. So my sleeping bag got wet. Mm. So what I learned that night is that when you're in a wet sleeping bag and the weather's good enough, that your body heat drives all the moisture out of the bag. Because I went to bed in a clammy, cold sleeping bag and I woke up to a nice dry sleeping bag. And coldly clam underwear. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. I didn't think it would dry out, but uh, the uh, the heat of my body just pushed all the moisture out of the sleeping bag. Yeah, there's just certain things that I always pack in the dry bag because if something happens... Well, lesson learned, I'm going to do it There are time. things that you just don't want to get In wet. inclement weather, like because it's, it was warm weather, I didn't mm-hmm. mind so much. But in like uh, when I go this fall, guaranteed 
stuff like that will be in a dry sack because you can't afford to get your that kind of gear wet in the fall or yeah. winter season. You you right? rely on that for yeah, survival. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you can't. So you it's, can't yeah, have it it's a different situation. But because the weather was like, you know, 27, 28 degrees. And at thing. night, I think the coldest it got was uh, 12 or 14 degrees or something. It was warm. The whole trip was warm. Yeah. It was nice. Well, we did a trip. I took Tracy on her first interior First trip. ever. Yeah. We've been married almost 25 years and... She's never been on an interior trip. She's never trip. trusted you until now? Is that what it is? I can't say she still trusts me. But, you know. <laughs> no, you know what? She's just never been. So she finally talked her into going and uh, we took I took her on one. And the, <laughs> the the place I was going, I was him and Han, but Mark Rubino of markinthepark.com, he was going in on a on a nine-day solo trip. And they were he was going in the same day we were. And we were actually looking at going to Ralph Bice Lake, which I think is... Access point one or three. Really? I thought it was 17. Somewhere. Well, it's on that side, right? Yeah. Um, he was going in at the lake above us, which was the Tim River uh, into Tim Lake, which I do believe is number two, access point two. And so we just him and Han chitting, chatting back and forth and decided, why don't we go into uh, Roseberry Lake with Marcus? Yeah. So we... Um, I've never been to Roseberry Lake. I've seen it m- many a time. Yeah. Well, we went in and... Um, yeah. So the Tim, the Tim River is access point two. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so we went in with... Uh, Matt Marcus at the permit office, got our permit, and down the river we went. Because of all the rain this year... Now, usually that area is pretty crummy to be paddling this time of year. Yeah. In the, in the late summer, fall... Uh, the Tim River gets really low. Gets low and so you're, smelly. Yeah, yeah, beaver poop and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it was quite high. Out of six beaver dams, we only had to get out once. You floated right over we, the beaver dam. Right over over five of the six of them. The, wow. the, the one we got out, it is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a whole lot of water to be going over that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if we were standing in front of it, it was probably a good three feet, four feet high. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was big. Um, but you know what? It was a nice, good paddle in, nice, wind, really windy. I mean, the Tim River is windy. Beautiful. But we're talking, this is when Toronto was having the heat alerts. Yes. And I mean, it was pretty mid to in, high in 30s. September. Heat in alerts September. in September. Yeah. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was, it was hot. Uh, but you know what? It was a nice day on the river and, uh, like we just crossed Tim Lake, so it wasn't really too much lake travel. Uh, but really nice traveling down the river, just chit chatting, easy paddle, that sort of thing. Uh, windy is the only problem. Um, so yeah, we ended up on Roseberry Lake with Marcus. We got ourselves a, a campsite and Tracy got to see, you know, you find your, sometimes you got to hit a couple of campsites on the lake to yeah. check them out. You know, oh yeah, that one's taken, that one's taken. I love taken. checking out campsites. Well, the one we wanted, there was two we wanted, because these two, between these two sites was a beach. Yeah. Uh, so they're both beach sites, basically? Yeah. Yeah, both taken. Hmm. Of course. Figures. What are people <laughs> doing? <laughs> anyway, so we ended up at a, at a point, but that one was taken. Uh, we figured we'd grab that one, because Marcus was continuing on the next day, and that would have been, a you know, not far from the first portage he had yep. to take. Well, no, that was taken as well. So we had to cross back across the lake um, to pretty much almost where we came into the lake from the from the Tim River. And we, we got a site there. And unfortunately, it looked like a bomb had hit the place. Somebody had destroyed the fire pit. Somebody had been chopping down live trees and not even chopping, just trying to break them. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was, there was tinfoil left all over the place. It was not, not nice. Sometimes um, you wonder, is it, or do they just not know or are they just that ignorant? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll to say yes to counts. both of those. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Tracy got, so you know what, when we, we get, you know, sometimes you got, it takes a while until you get your site and then you, you set up your tent, you set up your kitchen area, you make sure, you know, you find the thunder box if there is one, You're, you you get the, the uh, fire pit all, make sure it's right. Uh, you start collecting firewood. You know, by the time you're all done that and everything is all set up, you cook your dinner, maybe have a couple of beverages or something, and 
and and relax, right? Um, but yeah, we did we did like pork tenderloin and roast potatoes and for the for dinner the first night, and I we actually brought wine in. I'm not a big wine fan. Yeah, but we get you know, those tetra packs. Yeah, the big right? one. Yeah. What seven fifty or one liter or something so, like yeah, seven fifty mil yeah. something like that. It's, it's like uh, it gives you like four cups of, yeah. of of wine sort of thing. So we had one of those, and then you just sit around the fire, sh- shooting the breeze, chatting about everything and anything, watching the stars. Then off to bed. It was really nice day the first day. Yeah, it was you know, uh, she got the full you know this is the drive up, this is the unloading, this is the paddling in, this is the getting the the site and setting everything up and, and all of that sort of thing. And, uh, the next morning we were serenaded by wolves. <laughs> That's awesome. Seven o'clock in the morning and the wolves, there was just around the corner from us was a beaver, uh, meadow. Yeah. And that's where they were all, they were all hmm. sitting there. Right. And so they just started howling and there was, a, you can hear the young ones yipping and, and it, that was really cool. So of course you saw that and, uh, a lot of sounds of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, Marcus, uh, headed off to continue his trip. And then we went for a little exploratory paddle for the day. And we did some swimming and we did some paddling, exploring, (laughs) had an afternoon snooze in the sun and uh, made dinner of, um, what do you have for dinner? Oh, chicken. Chicken and rice and and another Tetra pack of wine. (laughs) Right. So, and then, yeah, tried some uh, nighttime uh, photo stuff and. Star trails. I think you saw that one star trail yeah, picture I did. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, and because I hit the, the the trees with the flashlight yeah. with my headlamp. Okay. I would have. I should have brought up. I was wondering one. how you get the colors of the trees. So yeah, easy. yeah. I didn't know you use a flashlight. Yeah. So yeah. So you set the the camera on a tripod and get the starscape. And while that's doing that, you're hitting the trees with your uh, your headlamp. Yeah. So they it collects the light, and because it's all the fall colors, it really turned out uh, kind of cool. Um, yeah. And then up the next day and we we're to, to head on out. And as we left the lake into the river, the beaver meadow where the wolves were, yeah, there was a wolf in the tree line howling at us as we were passing by. That's awesome. Which is, and it's cool. Cause you know, you think, oh, wolves, you're terrified. Yeah. It isn't. Mm-hmm. It is such a cool, huh. it, it, it isn't. Frightening You've or anything at all. You've seen wolves or heard wolves a few times in the park. We've heard wolves a few times. I've come face to face with one, um, probably twenty feet from the two of us, and we just stared at each other, going like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wolves you know? probably doing the same thing. Yeah, well, oh, that's crap. exactly. What he's, we're looking. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, you know, you're not, you're not moving. You're just staring at each other, and and it's it's just like wow, you know, it's just you're just having this moment, especially since when I saw I was by myself. The other guys I was with were still on the lake behind me. Oh, yeah. And this was on a portage, right? And he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and it's, uh, wow. <laughs> it's just that feeling of, of, of the wolves yeah. howling and, and just being there. You know they're there and you're supposed to be frightened, but you're not. It, it's just a cool experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know what? It didn't take us long to get back out. You know, it was like uh, four hours to get back out. Okay. We had to, coming back, there was one of the beaver dams that we, because we're going Upstream, yeah, we had to actually get out and do a little pushover, oh, nothing okay, big. Yeah. But then there was the big one we had to get up and over. But we just you sailed came, over everything. You else. went in and came back out the same yeah. entry point. Yeah, yeah. And Mark continued on or something. Yeah, right? so he's doing. He was doing the um, uh, down to Little Doe where there was another oh, gathering okay. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she really enjoyed it. The sights, the sounds of the backcountry, and uh, now she has experienced. To know when I come from a trip, what I'm talking about, she go, oh yeah, because you know this is what happened, and that's what happened yeah. when we were on our trip, sort of thing, right? Hmm. So she's she's ready to go again. She says, you know, like three, four, maybe five days, are okay. good for her. Not like the two week ones we do. Yeah, she says, yeah, I'm not I'm not up to any of that. So, but <laughs> you never know. Well, maybe eventually, right? Depends. Eventually, you, you have to know. develop a passion for it. Yeah, and you start getting used to it and yeah. whatnot, and yeah. hey. You never know, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, she may be uh, hauling those big packs down. Well, yeah, there was only one small portage on the trip. Oh, that's good. Right? So it, was, it wasn't any, but it was like uphill, yeah. across, down, steep hill. And then when we were coming back, it was up, steep hill, across, yeah. down, steep hill. It was, uh, that kind of sucked, but. We bypassed all of the portages except one at Crooked Chute. Yeah? So yeah, we, I see, yeah. Just because, and there's some areas where we couldn't really run the water, but I lined the canoe. 
which was... Oh, you couldn't even do that here. This is one oh, of those yeah. waterfall, uh, old logging shoe. You push the canoe over the edge, let it go. It would go, and you pump. That would be it. It would go about five feet. So what are you going to do for the other 115? <laughs> uh, um, but you were talking, you found beer. Yes, yes. So there's something that had just come out. This is my segue into this one. Okay. Um, something had just come out in Canada here about if you are in a canoe oh, and they yes, yes, get yes. a hold of you drinking. In a canoe. In a canoe. In a non-powered watercraft. Right. Because of the way the law is worded, you can lose your driver's license. Yes. Which is ridiculous. Because it's a You're vehicle. In a canoe. Yeah. But it's a vehicle. It's a vessel. Yeah. It's a water vessel. Right? Yeah. So what they're trying to do now is uh, take... I guess I guess the law is in front of Parliament to change the wording so that if you're drinking in in a canoe or whatever, yeah. you won't lose your driver's license. You'll still get charged. Yeah. So like, like if you're caught drinking in a boat, like a powered boat sort of thing, first offense is six hundred bucks. Second offense like six hundred bucks and fourteen days in jail. Oh. This these are hefty fines and huh. or, and and uh, jail time and stuff like that, right? For drinking. Yeah. And this, these aren't canoes. These are regular boats. Yeah. Well, power they're boats powered stuff, vehicles. Right? Yeah. And it makes sense. So there, a lot of this is now coming to light because they're trying to legalize marijuana. Oh, yes. The new marijuana rules. So they have yeah. to change and clarify all kinds of rules to, oh, yeah. to make their new rules work. Now, there are a bunch of people that are getting their panties in a knot over this. You know, why, why are you going to let them off? Well, realistically, canoeing doesn't have anything to do with your, your car or anything. But. Police can still charge you with other things like being intoxicated in public, um, negligence and stuff like all these other little things yeah. that has nothing to do with your car. Yeah. So you can still get charged with stuff, uh-huh. but just not losing your driver's license. <laughs> 2011, there was uh, one canoeist who'd been drinking and paddling, uh, had his driver's license suspended for 90 days. Another man was charged with operating operating a pedal boat under the influence and also lost his license, but the charges were dropped in both cases because prosecutors said that there was no reasonable chance of conviction. Yeah. And when they were talking to um, an MP, one of the MPs, I think it was, um, he asked, like, had anybody ever actually been charged and convicted of drunk... Paddling. <laughs> Paddling and losing. And he says, as far as he knows, yeah. no. So, the, yeah, they're, they're trying to get it changed. The only people that are upset, or not the only people, but the people that are most upset about it is the Canadian Safe Boating Council. Because uh, they're saying this is going to complicate their public awareness campaigns about the dangers of boating under the influence. Okay. And we've seen that before where, where we've been watching people and they're all rafted up boating and, and, and uh, paddling and that. And they're drinking and stuff like that, or they're floating down rivers and inner tubes and, you know, they got all this alcohol with them and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think losing your driver's license is the problem. Yeah. Or the cure. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, the problem is being allowed to have it on the water to begin with. Yeah. Right. So, but that's another big old kettle of fish to. And you, but you see people do this and it's. I don't know. It's everything in moderation, I think. Mm-hmm. And people should have the right with limitations to do what they want. And I, I know we saw a lot of people doing this when we went canoe polling. A lot of people on tubes and, and rafts floated yeah. past or with us, right? Yeah. So we saw a lot of it and it's apparently is very common. I've asked about it afterwards and it's people run these rivers in... in tubes or rafts yeah. or whatever all the time it's just these big drinking float trips right so again everything in moderation but it, people i think that's think the key right there like i would have i would enjoy floating down a river in a big inner tube with a beer yeah or two yeah but moderation moderation is because you yeah. see those people at the end and they've got like a 12 pack sitting there empty yeah dude really like, yeah i know i eh? 
you know, and, you, and they can't even get out of their inner tube yeah. because you, it doesn't matter what's going to, you, you're, you end up floating face down. Yeah. Drunk. It's, yeah. It's, you know. it's, uh, there's risks, right? There's yeah. risks involved in everything, but why compound the risk by getting drunk and floating down a river, right? Yeah. So we'll see what happens with this and, uh, touchy subject, that's for sure. It is. But anyway, so yeah, we had a good trip. You had a good trip and now we won't lose our driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. I hope you enjoyed that beer. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Uh, so one thing when I was doing some research here, I came across um, about rapids, uh, about whitewater parks, especially in places like Iowa and, and things where over the last hundred years, or like I guess like a hundred years ago, they've put into uh, their water systems uh, partly to slow it down, partly to to power mills and yeah, such like, like that. Mills, like yeah. yeah, for grinding grain and for yeah. doing whatever, right? For sawmills, there's there's one near where I live, and a lot of these places have become defunct over the years. Like in in my town, there's two of them. One is defunct, and one is still used as a hobby basis, sort of small business. But yeah, these things are, they're just, obviously, they don't have the same place as they used to have. Yeah, and these things are, like I say, some of them are well over 100 years old, yeah. a couple of hundred years old. Uh, and they're more of a safety hazard now than useful. Exactly. And they call them, what, they call them low-head dams. Low-head dams, yes. yeah. Uh, they call, you know, swimmers get trapped in the powerful flowing water. So they've come up with a, a, a few of the states have come up with ideas. They take these dams that go straight across the river. They take out a chunk of it and put rocks to the side and, and change the flow, put rocks in the middle, sort of like a V sort of thing. Yeah. And create small water parks with water rapids. Park. And it, it kind of serves a dual purpose. It's a recreational facility. Yep. Well, triple purpose. I just thought of another one. Uh -oh. So it, it's a multi-purpose facility. So it, obviously, you get a lot of uh, recreational, like kayaking and canoeing. Kayaking, canoeing, tubers, stand-up paddle yep. boarders. Yeah. It increases the flow of the river. So any stagnant water or slow-moving water upriver can now move and it helps flush the system, cleans up the water. You get a lot more cleaner flows and the headwaters are cleaner and more flow. And another benefit is that it acts as a fish ladder and the fish can, it, it livens the upstream of the dam. So more fish or fish in the first place can finally get back upstream to start spawning again in the headwaters. Yeah. And they're finding ecosystems, you know, that were used to be one giant ecosystem and have been split for for yeah. a century yeah. are now joined again. So species that were always upstream are now... Migrating. Spread out. Yeah. Upstream, downstream. Yes. Um, you know, when it comes to fish and stuff like that. So it's really, really... Uh, it's really beneficial. Beneficial the for, the, for the, the health of the water itself. Yeah. Um, and then there's the economic thing now, where you got all these people coming. Out-of-towners. Out-of-towners coming yeah. to uh, use the waterways. Yeah. You know, so do the rapids and stuff like that. They're and spending money. And they're like... Grocery stores, restaurants, camping. hotels, camping. Yeah. Like it's it's bringing a lot of money into the local economies. Well, one uh, city official in Manchester uh, in Iowa said, estimate the economic impact of the park alone to be nearly $750,000 in 2015. 
Yeah. So the city, like, it costs, like, you know, depending on the size of the project, like two to five million dollars to to renovate and redo one of these uh, these low head da- low head dams, and so in, in like within a decade, it pays for itself, right? Or less, mm-hmm. five to five to eight years, it pays for itself. Well, since two thousand eight, they've invest. Iowa has invested seven million for three whitewater destinations: Charles City Whitewater at River. Front Park, uh, the El Cater Whitewater Park, and Manchester. There's a fourth one in Waterloo that they figure will be between 2.6 and $4 million. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, five, six years. Yeah, and it just takes the local politicians to realize that there is, there, there, there's, a, there's a bump back for, you know, financial, you know, you, you recoup your losses. It mm-hmm. costs money to... They have to spend money on these low head dams in the first place because some of them are disintegrating. They're 100 years old. It's yeah. you know these these aren't the high quality uh, technical technical concretes that they use to make these things. So there's a lot of renovations that have to happen anyways. So why not rejuvenate and repurpose as opposed to just just recreate a, a low head dam that is dangerous for swimmers because there's like at the low side of the dam, if somebody gets rolled over into it. There's this, there's this churning effect and it sucks people in. It holds them in. And they it holds can't them swim in out. There. Yeah. Since 1900, the state of Iowa has recorded 192 dam related drowning deaths, 31 of them in the last 19 years yeah, alone. That's incredible. Like it's, that's a, they could prevent that loss of life alone. Yeah. And, and, these dams are are obsolete, you know. So they they're they're calling it dam mitigation projects to yeah. to turn them into something else. And these water parks seem to be a hit with a lot of people. You know, it's it's a form of recreation that people are it's cheap recreation for people. Yeah, you know, it, it's free. You, yeah, you go it, into the water and wrap it, and you're park. doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's a free water park. You use the equipment that you have. It doesn't cost the city anything for to to facilitate the you know the facilities. You don't need people selling tickets or whatever like that. It's it's a free park that is minimal maintenance costs. Now, just to give you a little bit of a number, they have converted three dams in Iowa, a fourth is in the works out of 177. <laughs> Three it, out of it, 177. It shows you how prolific the, uh, the old mills used to be, yeah. right? Like every community, if you had some sort of headwater drop and people would just put in these low head dams and, and you know, the, all the mills, right? Like uh, where I live, the Tyrone mill, they, they still grind grains. They mm-hmm. still do all that stuff, right? But he can, his headwaters is all... Uh, coked up with uh, with mud and sludge so he can only run a few hours a day but it's the the work that these mills used to do communities used to pop up around these mills somebody would come in and build a mill and small communities would build up around them because well, it's, yeah. it's it's a source of revenue a source of food it's where you take your grains yeah. and so the farmers would bring their grain there in the fall so that they'd have their own flour for the winter right yeah. So it it serves a purpose and and it, it was be a commuting community surrounding point well, these water parks, they're, they're talking about kayakers, stand-up paddleboarders, canoeists, tubers of all skill levels, tackling a variety of water features. Drops, waves, holes, some for advanced paddlers only, provide technical challenges and draw serious and recreational paddlers to small towns. Best of all, each of Iowa's whitewater parks are free to the public. That's awesome. I mean, that's perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So yeah, they're, and like I say, when they're throwing out numbers that they received approximately seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in tourist money from these parks, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, you can't go wrong. No, no, and, and like I say, once you start getting more well known and you can build up stuff around yep. there, you know, you can you can build up the uh, amount of money coming your way as well. And there are opponents to this. There are people that are opposed to it, but I don't think they fully understand. The, what this brings to the community and a lot of people find it nostalgic to have that low head dam but they're not removing the whole dam they're only removing a, a small, small section of it yeah so because the rest of the dam has to still is there to shunt the water through the new yeah. whitewater section so the rest of the low head dam is there you just gotten rid of 10 percent of it yeah and you're using it for something you know like i mean it hasn't been used in an 
they say what about the 1960s is when they've all pretty much were done. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you can find a use for it and get revenue for it. Yes. Why not? And create something you? worthwhile. Exactly. Why wouldn't you? Why would you just want something? Oh, is a nostalgia of a low head down. It's like, uh, I don't know if, if you can make it serve a purpose and, and it, it, brings people to the area it beautifies the area instead of just a a dingy dirty low head dam that you know sucks a couple of people in every year it's it's better to have a, a decent water park that draws crowds and you know you could who knows what local events or races yeah. or well i mean know, even local kids and stuff like that and paddlers i mean well, you know it's the a more, great way to introduce them to it exactly the more people you get into sport early the more people may develop into Olymp- future olympians and, yeah. and, and that's what it takes. You, it takes a program where you develop kids at a young age and get them used to a sport. And you, you see countries that, uh, like the U.S., has, has a popular uh, system where they uh, bring you know kids up into hockey or basketball and, and soccer and stuff like that, right? So Canada's behind in the soccer thing, but uh, we do well with hockey. And mm-hmm. so you have to get kids introduced early. So, you know, this all these water parks could be future Olympians, right? Yeah, and better on the water than on the streets. Exactly. Right? Hanging Rolling out the drugstore and, and yeah. know, spray painting stuff. Uh, and it's funny because they say, how can you help? You can go to Iowa and run the rapids. <laughs> Simply yes. put your tourism dollars help show state legislators that the money flowing into the state from dam removable is tangible. Exactly. Which is cool. And dam conversion has happened in cities like Grand Rapids, Michigan and Columbus, Georgia. So it's happening all over the states, uh-huh. this sort of thing. Why not? You know, there all there's a lot of towns and cities that have these dams that are just crumbling and 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 disintegrating. Yes, they so can ser- they can serve a second life. They can serve a useful yeah. purpose. And that's exactly what they're what they're doing. Um, so yeah, there's uh, visit Iowa Rivers Revival and donate to help Iowa Iowa Iowans Iowans Iowans. Somebody I don't know. Iowans? Yeah. Iowans. Restore, protect, and enjoy the rivers. So check that out. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, the, the dam mitigation products, projects. Um, the other thing I found is this company. And this is so I could find <laughs> so many uses for this. There's a company. I think it's called Volleback. V-O-L-L-E-B-A-K dot com. I, I I really don't know what to say about this product, except I could get into so much mischief <laughs> with this thing. Basically, it would be, I would jump out wearing this jacket when some old lady's coming down the trail. And scare them. <laughs> and scare the, she crapped herself, had a heart attack, and <laughs> she was down. <laughs> A solar charged jacket, lightweight, stretchy, waterproof, and it glows green. The entire jacket, a bright green glowing jacket. And the last thing that old lady saw was an alien jump out in front of her. (laughs) (laughs) I would be... I would just be waiting for people to pass by. I would find more useful purposes for it, like jogging Up at yours. night. And... I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a neat product. So this, it really this is. is a solar charge jacket. And it, basically anything that uh, that you grew up with as a kid that you you shine your flashlight on and it glows for like an hour or so. So this is a high-tech version of that. So it still has that glow-in-the-dark green of, of the plastics that you used to growing up, right? But it uh, it absorbs light and it feeds it off. It lasts. It glows for like up to twelve hours. Fueled fastest by sunlight. Yes, Starts, or any light, yeah. flashlight. Oh whatever. yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's fueled fastest. They say yes. by by the sunlight. The bright. Yeah, the your light. phone, your yeah. uh, your phone flashlight. Exactly. Will will charge it. Mm-hmm. Anything, even on cloudy days, it'll charge. But they say yeah, you throw it out in the in full sunlight for a couple of hours, and then once night hits, it's bright yeah. for up to twelve hours. And it's not just a gimmicky jacket. It's like just looking and reading what the jacket provides. It's a it's a really decent, high quality technical jacket. So it's it's thin. It's practically see through gray in daylight, mm-hmm. right? So like it's like you 
if you laid it on on say your lawn and let the sun hit it, the sun's going to go right straight through and get both sides of the jacket because it's yeah it's almost transparent as it sits. But it, so it's a nice gray color. It's uh, it's those uh, welded seam seals like uh, on any typical Gore-Tex type thing. It's breathable and waterproof. So it's a rain jacket. It's breathable. It lets your your it lets your perspiration escape. So it's a decent outdoor rain jacket and. Uh, running jacket and jogging jacket so it it serves all those purposes a windbreaker you know whatever it's yep. it's a decent high quality jacket protects you from driving rains and headwinds yes glows in the dark and and that's the biggest benefit it's uh it's it's your typical runner's jacket or whatever and it glows in the dark so it's yeah. perfect for anybody in like a uh, in the shoulder seasons like uh like winter or spring or fall when the it's dark at typical times when you're off work and you want to go for a run it, it, you you have this glowing jacket that you can yeah rip it's up stretchy and enough that you could put a second layer underneath it yep right like you say when it gets yeah. colder and stuff like that one one small disadvantage might be the fact that if you're running down the street you're going to distract drivers and people might run over you because they're staring at you no they're going to run over <laughs> you because they want that jacket because they're thinking hey i've got a use for that jacket grandma's coming yeah <laughs> the mother-in-law is coming for a visit but I think it's a great jacket for like jogging and running and, and uh, stuff like running, that. Running running an ultra through the mountains, climbing, riding, out on the water, uh, works as a phenomenal lightweight rain jacket, windbreaker, emergency layer, or safety device. It's ultra lightweight, packable, 230 grams, takes very little space and weight when not being worn. So yeah, it's it's really cool. Something where it's really, really cool. Um yeah, and if you're at night, if you're even, I mean, I'm thinking for for us, when we're portaging and you're getting out late or something like that, that'd be a great thing if you're doing a, port, you know, doing a portage yeah. on the, that last lake and you're just running that much later in the night. You throw that on, it's throwing off a bit of light. Yes. Right? So I wonder if it throws off enough light to light your way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're with somebody and they've got one. Oh, yeah, you'll see right? them up ahead. But, you'll see yeah. them stumble and fall and... <laughs> Stumble fall, you laughed and laughed. So the core technology that enables the jacket to glow is it's a membrane, ultra thin layer housed inside translucent mesh that keeps rain out, lets sweat escape. Engineered with a phosphorescent compound, it rapidly stores any light it comes into contact with and re-emits it slowly over time. So again, it's basically if you had something as a kid that used to light up and, and glow for a little while, like those little stars that you used to put on your ceiling in yeah, your room, exactly. right? They glowed for a little while. But this is just an updated, better version high of that. High tech version of that. Very high tech. Wouldn't it be cool to go paddling at night out on Wear a lake? Wearing those? Yeah. It's like there's a green blob floating across the lake. And he's playing a banjo. <laughs> So not only does he play a banjo, but he's an alien playing a banjo. <laughs> Prepare the anal probe. <laughs> There'll be nobody left on that lake by morning. You know. <laughs> so uh, just some stats on this thing here. Constructed from a three-layer stretch fabric. Weighs 230 grams. Breathable. Waterproof. All seams are fully taped and waterproofed. Waterproof front zipper and concealed storm guard. Rear zipper pocket and waterproof zipper. Peaked hood with elastic, elasticated draw cord for adjustability. Adjustable draw cord at the waist. Articulated sleeve shape and extended underarm paneling. Welded eyelets under the arm for additional ventilation. And laser cut bonded sleeve cuffs. Uh, yeah, so they say it's elastics for more stretchable and that you can put a base layer underneath and it's all it's not going to climb yeah. or ride or pull up on your arms or anything like that which is really cool the only drawback the only thing that's not cool <laughs> 350 dollars us yes for this ouch i wanted one until i saw the price i was bound and determined i was going to get one until that last <laughs> little number jumped out at me <laughs> Mind you, my birthday is coming up. Yes, yeah, somebody <laughs> so else can buy it for me. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you don't have to buy me another birthday present for, for the next ooh, many, many years. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. I, that's uh, really neat. Seeing tech little... Yeah. I, I don't even I call it a gadget. No, it's not a gadget. It's it's 
gadgets make me think of something that's electronic or yeah, handheld or, or something or yeah. mechanical or whatever. Yeah. This is just a glow in the dark jacket. I want and one. it glows in the dark so bright you'd think it's actually battery powered. Yeah. When I and first it's... saw it a while ago, I was looking at it, it's like, wow, that's bright. Where's the batteries go? And there are none. None. Buy me one. Here, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Well, Derek, that's our show this week. I'd uh, just like to thank everybody for listening. You can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us on past episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page on our, our uh, website. Uh, if you're on iTunes, uh, do us a favor and leave us a little review and let us know what you think we're doing. Uh, again, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.